Good afternoon. My name is Arjun Sharma, and I want to welcome you to the History for the Future podcast, where I talk about people and events that shaped our lives and what we can learn from them. The aim of this podcast is to help you learn from history and make better choices in the future. One of the main reasons humanity is able to progress is because we learn from our mistakes and build on our successes. As long as we keep understanding our history, we will continue to make informed choices in the future and grow as people and as a species. This is made true in the quote that reads, if we do not understand our past, we are doomed to repeat it. Throughout history, there have been many influential men and women. Some have changed the world politically, some with their ideologies, or some even changed the geographical layout of the world and its nations. Today, I want to talk about a man who did this and more throughout his life. A ruthless conqueror and a brilliant tactician. A man who grew his empire into one of the largest seen to date. You may already know who I'm talking about, the one and only Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan has been remembered for many things, such as his advanced war tactics, ruthless army, and large empire. You may know about his use of horses and bows that saw his empire become the largest land empire in history. He did things like provide foundations for commerce, brought Eastern ideas to the West and vice versa, and influenced religion, politics, and social life around the world. But let's start at the beginning of his life. Genghis Khan was born with the name of Temujin sometime between 1155 and 1167, near Lake Baikal in Mongolia. Just as a fun fact, his name meant the finest steel, and he was born on an auspicious day, allegedly holding a blood clot in his hands. He was born as the son of Yesuge, the leader of a Mongol clan. When young Temujin was only nine years old, his father was assassinated by poisoning. Left with no aid, his family was forced to live in extreme poverty for a time. He was then captured and held for ransom by his father's former supporters. He was tortured by these captors and even used as a slave. One of his captors was amazed at the young boy's resilience and even aided him in his eventual escape. Over the next few years, Temujin gained a reputation as a smart, brave, and intrepid boy. On many occasions, he gained supporters by tracking down thieves and bandits and other such heroic acts. He soon after wed Borti, the woman his father had arranged for him to marry before his death. Despite all this good, some families bore no love for Temujin. One such tribe was the Merkit people. They were a northern tribe, and they were resentful of Temujin's father, who had stolen his wife from them. These people captured Borti and held her for weeks. Temujin made a plea to the Khan or supreme ruler of the Karait people to help retrieve Borti. He was able to secure his alliance because his father had a good relationship with this man, Tagril. They eventually found Borti and Temujin gifted Tagril a stable skin as thanks for his help. Tagril, however, was not done helping the young boy. He promised to help reunite Temujin's scattered people and amassed almost 20,000 supporters for him. He also reunited the boy with Jamukha, 
a childhood friend of his, to help in his conquest to unite Mongolia. Before we move forward, I have our quiz question of the day to ask you. Today's question relates to the main factor in Genghis Khan's conquest, his army. I want you to guess how large his army was and remember the empire that he built with it. With his many allies and his own considerable army, Temujin began his conquest. He began with the Merkate people who had kidnapped him years ago. He adopted an effective system where he left no enemy alive, so there was no chance of retaliation. He did this to secure his land, title, and reputation as a feared warlord. One example of this is in the case of the Jerkin people. They had, allied, they had allied themselves with Temujin, but profited by his absence on a recent raid against the Tatars. They instead took Temujin's land and property. As retaliation, Temujin took all the people as slaves or soldiers and killed off every trace of nobility. He then exterminated the Tatars and famously killed anyone over the height of a cart axle. This was done so only the children would remain and grow up loyal to Temujin and eventually join his army. After some time, his alliance with Togril and the Karait people, who were instrumental in his rise to power, became a hindrance. Temujin saw it as an obstacle to his quest for power and unify the steppes. Once his army was able to, he turned on Togril and took the remaining men as his own. He again left no one alive who could stage a rebellion against him in the future. From nearly the beginning, Temujin had wanted to consolidate power all for himself. And so he broke off his renewed friendship and alliance with Jamukha after only a year and a half. He did this as he had apparently received a vision reaffirming his feeling that he should be ruler of the world. His fallout with Jamukha resulted in a new rift in the Mongol world. Many were forced to pick a side as the two powerful men prepared to clash. Despite his low position as a mere chieftain, he had amassed many supporters and had a reputation as being a strong leader. Because of this, many men in Jamukha's ranks decided to defect to Temujin, and clan leaders proposed making Temujin Khan of the Mongols. In 1206, Temujin was accepted to become the empire, emperor of the steppes and took the name of Genghis Khan, meaning universal ruler or ruler of rulers. Genghis Khan set about implementing a more centralized and feudal form of government. This replaced the past ineffective form, which had individual clans the ability to govern themselves. He did want more, however, and set about destroying all of his remaining enemies, including Jamukha. He finally realized his dream of exterminating all of the Tatars, solidified his reputation in China, and routinely defeated Jamukha's forces whenever they came in contact. After this, Genghis Khan unified Mongolia and set out to add to his empire. He realized that he would need a stronger army than he had, and so set about making his men into the legendary warriors we remember them as today. Genghis Khan's men learned how to wield bows, swords, and even spears, 
and to do all of this while flawlessly maneuvering a horse throughout rough terrain. With these men, Genghis Khan managed to subjugate everything from the border with Europe to the Yellow Sea and from Russia to the border with South Asia. He created the largest contiguous empire in history, meaning without some of the empire being overseas. His, his empire was twice the size of the Roman Empire and second only to the British Empire, which was not a contiguous empire. Genghis Khan suffered only one major loss, and that was at the hands of Japan. To reach Japan, Genghis Khan had to cross the Yellow Sea, a strip of treacherous water on boats with men who were not comfortable with sea travel. He was unable to bring his full army due to the fact that they would have to be on the few boats they had. On top of this, the horses that they used got sick and even died on the voyage. With his weakened army and the incredible strength of the samurai he faced, Genghis Khan was unable to inflict a defeat, and no Mongol ruler after him would be able to either. Genghis Khan finally died in 1227, but left behind an extraordinary legacy. I've already mentioned how he created the second largest empire in history and invented new military tactics and weapons, but his legacy goes beyond that, as we will talk about now. First, his impact on commerce. Commerce is basically trading, but on a much larger scale. Genghis Khan was a huge supporter of commerce and hosted countless merchants along the Silk Road and other trade networks. He helped the nation come into contact with trade, loaned money for purchases and travels, and even implemented a system similar to modern passports, which allowed merchants to travel safely along the Silk Road. Many of these practices have been adapted for modern use and are still used today, such as the passports. Genghis Khan helped bring so many nations together and share ideas, technologies, and religion, setting a basis for religious coexistence. Next, I want to talk about the numerous inventions he helped invent. One of the most prominent of these is gunpowder. The Mongols invented gunpowder and were responsible for the development of modern warfare weapons. They used gunpowder to develop grenades and became the first to use them. Mongols invented a blast furnace, which allowed metal to be produced at a faster rate and be stronger. Blast furnaces create pig iron, which is converted into steel for weapons and other uses. They blow oxygen at the metal to remove impurities and release them as gases. They also invented a triangular plow, which revolutionized agriculture allowing farms to produce more, more crops in less times. Another important invention they used were bows. They did not invent these, but used them to make their army one of the best of the time. Genghis Khan made sure his men were outstanding archers and could wield a bow and ride a horse at the same time. These men were so skilled that they could perf perfectly maneuver a horse throughout the rough terrain with only their legs while slashing at en enemies with their weapons. Genghis Khan also implemented a very radical political system. The Mongols used a system of electing Khans. These Khans had absolute power over the region. Before Genghis Khan came and unified the nation, all these Khans had total power over their specific clan. After he did, there was only one Khan who had supreme authority over all the clans. 
This method influenced autocracies in more recent times, like pre-World War I, Russia, and feudal political systems of medieval times. Lastly, I want to talk about his cultural breakthroughs, and there were a lot, so I'm going to break some down, some of the more significant ones down. Number one, he established free trade. Throughout his conquests, he was able to sponsor trade and even converted cities into trading posts. He did this to spread knowledge and creativity, but also to spy on possible enemies, with his own men posing as traitors. He established, number two, he established a freedom of religion. There was a nearly, this wasn't nearly unheard of at the time. He allowed his conquered people to maintain their religious beliefs and lowered or even eliminated taxes for places of worship. There was only one exception, and that was whatever he said was the will of God. Number three, he allowed enemies into his army. He did this in part to give the conquered people a job, but also to grow his own forces. He also was known for not abusing his territories. This meant that, he, that after conquering a city, he would more or less leave it alone to continue, it as, to continue as it had and prosper under his rule. Number four, he outlawed slavery. During the time that he was held captive by the former supporters of his father, he was used as a slave. Because of this and the realization that slavery created economic strain and was morally incorrect, he outlawed it even banning the taking of conquered people as servants. As I mentioned, Genghis Khan had an extraordinary impact on the world. He did so much to advance the nation he controlled and set a standard for ruling. He was kind to the people he conquered and helped them through trade, boosting their economies, and so much more. Because of this, Genghis Khan has a cemented legacy of ruthlessness and brilliance in battle but also kindness and progress at home. Now for the answer to my question. To amass the land he did in today's world, he would need tens of millions of well-trained men. His army stretched from Europe to the Yellow Sea and was one of the largest empires in history. Despite this, the great Mongol ruler's army reached a peak of only 105,000 men. This is incredibly tiny compared to modern armies, but you have to take into account that the population of the world was much smaller back then. On top of that, his men were much better trained than most, and he could do more with less. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and learned something new from it. I hope you have a great day and remember that history exists for the future.